and amen, church. You can have a seat. As you're having a seat and as you're leaning in online, I got a question, and it's, uh, it's not a trick question. It's just a very basic question. How many here would say that you are a goal setter? You like to set goals. Anybody? Yeah, some of you do. Some of you, maybe not so much. Online, hand raise emoji. Do you like to set goals? Are you a goal setter? I am, um, but sometimes I struggle with them, and you might too. I actually read a stat when it comes to like New Year's goals, right? When it comes to New Year's goals, 75% of people that have set a New Year goal, say for 2021, 75% of people have given up on their New Year goal by now, by the end of January. And the other 25%, we believe the other 25% that said they haven't given up, they're lying. Okay, we think everybody's given up by now. So, no, maybe not. There's probably a few that are hanging tough. I, uh, I didn't have a New Year goal for what I'm about to share, but it was a goal that started last year. And I started writing my first book. And I'm really excited about it because it, it, it tells a story of my recovery journey and something I didn't see coming. And, and what I didn't see coming was, um, I can't tell you everything because I want you to get the book, but uh, what I didn't see coming was what God was going to do. I, need, I desperately needed to be saved from an addiction, and God showed me so much more. And what I didn't know is that the recovery process is actually God's word process, biblical, um, and, and it blew me away. Like God's plans have, were so much bigger. So I'm, I'm sharing this book, and it's not just about addiction. It's for anybody with a hurt, habit, or hang-up. Now, I know that probably doesn't describe any of you, but maybe you know somebody who has a hurt habit or hang-up, and it's going to be so applicable. So I'm so excited, and I start writing it last year, Tuesday morning, Thursday mornings. That was the goal, and I was going to basically write a few pages a day and just keep rocking it until it was done. About three months into it, I stopped. Now, do you know why I stopped? Seriously, if you know why I stopped, tell me, because I have no idea. It just, I just, it was just done. I just quit, and I was out of the, it didn't become habitual. I mean, I had the desire, say desire. Ooh. See, some of you, you have the desire for change. I had the desire to write the book, but desire doesn't determine who you become. Discipline determines who you become. And I had not made it a discipline. I'll take it a step farther and tell you, uh, some of you, you're hoping things change in your life, right? Well, hope isn't enough. Did you know that? Hope is not going to determine who you become. Oh, I hope my situation gets better. You know, I hope my finances turn around. I hope that my prayer life brings me closer to God. You know, I hope that, you know, my, my kids change. I, I, I hope that, you know, someone surprises me by depositing $3 million in my checking account. You know, I mean, you hope that too, huh? So, I mean, we, we just hope, but hope isn't enough. Hope isn't, doesn't determine who you become. Habits, say habits. Habits determine who you become. As we close out a series called Breakthrough Prayer, this is, this is the pinnacle. We, 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 the, the, if you're new, I'll, I'll tell you that the series has been six weeks now, and in the center of it was 21 days of breakthrough prayer and fasting, praying through a book, uh, fasting in our own different ways. And I've heard amazing stories come out of it, like incredible stories. But here's the thing, the 21 days was a goal. Now, we've achieved that goal, and goals are important. I even wrote down setting a goal is a good thing, but turning that goal into a habit is the best thing. It is the best thing, and, and my goal today is to help us turn this goal that we had into a habit, to make prayer habitual in your life. It will change everything, and I know that not because I'm saying it, but because I saw it in God's word. 
Uh, there's a man in the Old Testament named Daniel, an Israelite, a, a Jew. And he, he is, his prayer life was incredibly regimen and incredibly powerful. Maybe you heard of Daniel. Right? You may, some of you, even if you didn't grow up in church circles, you may have heard of this guy that was thrown in the den with a lion. Right? You know what I'm saying? He's, he, that was him. But, but actually, before he was thrown in that pit with a lion, here's what happened. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of give you a segue. In Daniel 6, uh, we learn that the king, Darius, he is, he's made a decree that no one can pray to anybody but him for this certain time period. That was his goal. Okay? And he wouldn't mind if that turned into a habit because he liked getting the prayers. He liked the attention. But Daniel, being a stout man of God, didn't really care what the king said because when the king says something that goes against what God says, oh, this is relevant for today. See, if the king says something, if the ruler says something that goes against what the word of God says, well, God's word always trumps that. Always. Every day. All day. I don't care who it is. Okay? That was the, that was the same then. It's the same today. And Daniel knew that. So he was so bold, he didn't care. He goes home. I'll read it to you. I'll read you one verse, Daniel 6.10. Listen, but when Daniel learned the law had been signed, right? So it's in effect, right? We signed another law into, into whatever. So we signed the law. He went home, knelt down as usual. I love that. As usual in his upstairs room. Window wide open towards Jerusalem. Didn't care. He prayed three times, say three. Three times a day, just as he had always done. Wow, it sounds like it was almost a habit. Giving thanks to God. Repeat after me, same time? Same place. Same time? Same place. Online, type same time, same place into the comments right now. When you pray, my encouragement and what I'm trying to help us get today is, is, is a regiment of same time, same place. Because when we make it a habit like that, we'll, you'll start to do it whether you feel like it or not. Because how many of you know some days you maybe don't feel like praying? Some days you don't feel like maybe getting in the Word of God. Some days you don't feel like coming to church in the snow on a freezing cold day. But you're here. God's going to bless it, I promise you. So, uh, so, so Jesus modeled this. Jesus modeled this. I'll read you one verse out of the Gospel of Mark. Mark 1.35. Before daybreak... At that certain time, the next morning, Jesus got up, went out to an isolated place to pray. Hmm. Same time, same place. For Daniel and many Israelites, it was morning, noon, and night. And I try to model that. Like, I know the word of God says pray without ceasing, but, you know, it's kind of hard to pray all the time. I mean, there's a... Anyway, I was... Anyway, so... Um, Morning, noon, and night. And how it works for me is when I sit at my desk in the morning, I'm prompted as I sit down to pray. When I, at night, when I go to bed, when I, lay, when I lay in my bed, I'm prompted to pray. And then throughout the day, I try to pick at least one time throughout the day where I'm praying. Normally, it's in my car. You know, it's very dangerous out there right now. So, um, but I, I try to pray in my car as well. How many of you have ever seen the movie called Training Day with Denzel Washington? You ever seen the movie? Yeah. Two of you? Three of you? Okay, well, you got to get out more. So this movie, it's one of my favorites. Not exactly a Christian flick, but I'm telling you, Denzel won an Academy Award for his portrayal of a bad cop. I mean, I, I remember watching that movie, and I was watching Denzel. He's like, 
And I was like, oh my gosh. I said to my wife, Jody, I said, I need to get myself a nine millimeter. In the 1978 Monte Carlo black pimped out thing. It's training day, Jody. And Jody's like, yeah, I don't think so. She said, your training day is going upstairs and putting the kids to bed. I'm like, nah, it's not really the same thing, Jody. You know, I'd rather go for the money anyway. So it just wasn't the same. But it would get me so fired up to watch that movie. And, uh, but what I learned, what I didn't know about that movie, Denzel preparing to play that, 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 that persona that was so unique, and he did it so well, again, that he won an Academy Award. They asked him what he did to prepare, the number one thing he did to prepare, and his answer wasn't what I expected. He said every night before he went to bed, he would... He would get down low and shove his shoes way under his bed, like way under where he could barely reach them. And as he was there on his knees, it prompted him to pray. So he prayed, you know, for the role, prayed for God to guide him, to help him in this role and all that. So he prayed. And then, of course, the next morning when he woke up, needed his shoes, had to get on his knees, get under the bed to reach the shoes to put them on. And guess what? While he's on his knees, he's prompted to pray. So he, 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 it's, it's almost, it's called habit stacking. I'm learning about it in a book I'm reading called Win the Day. The author talks about it. And, and if you don't know what it is, it's like taking a habit with another habit. So, for example, say you have the bad habit of, like, using foul language. Okay, now, I know you don't. Of course you don't. I mean, you're in church. But uh, just pretend for the illustration that, that you do. So you, you use bad language. And maybe you also, you have a bad habit of maybe smoking a lot of weed. Okay. But when you take the bad habit of this language along with smoking the weed and you put them together and do them together, it actually becomes a good thing. Okay, I'm kidding. That's a horrible thing. You're like, somebody's looking at me like, no, it's terrible. You're like a stoner with Tourette's. You don't do that. Okay, that's horrible. You'll never get a date doing that. But anyway, so that is not habit. Habit stacking really is taking a good habit that you've already got down and combining it with a habit that you're trying to discipline yourself with. So the author in the book talks about drinking coffee. He, he drinks coffee. Many of you drink coffee. It's a habit. Every morning he has a cup of coffee. But every time he gets a cup of coffee, it prompts him, it reminds him when he pours his cup of coffee that he's going to pray, that he's going to pray. So he's, he's coupled a habit that he's already got, coffee, with another habit that he's trying to, to engage and learn called prayer. So that's, that's one thing that you can do to help you get in the habit of doing this called habit stacking. I wrote this down. Well, actually, I said this earlier. The, remember, setting a goal is a good thing, but turning that goal into a habit is the best thing, and that's a true statement. Praying at a certain time in a certain place is powerful. Why? Because it's persistence. And persistent prayer, persistent prayer is powerful prayer. Pers praying when you don't feel like it, oh, it's powerful. We, you can't pray when it's just an emergency. You, if you pray whether you feel like it or not, this is, now this is with almost anything that you do, that you do consistently. It's consistency is the key is what I'm trying to say. Say consistency. You know, consistency is the key. It is the key. So, so Daniel, let's go back to Daniel for a second. A few chapters later in Daniel 9, I'm gonna read you some scripture about, about how this comes full circle in his life. Daniel, now understand something. The context right now is the Israel's been conquered. Like the Israelites are in captivity. They have been conquered by the Babylonians and, and that, that king that I talked about earlier, he was the king of Babylonia. So they're conquered and, and so Daniel is one of those that are in captivity. So as he prays to God about them being captured and in captivity, he prays this prayer. And there's something in this prayer that hit me so, I mean, a few things. 
I want to read you part of it. I'm going to read you the bookends starting in Daniel 9, 2, and it goes all the way through 20-some. I want you to read the whole thing this week. That's your marching orders. Read Daniel 9, 1 through, say, well, 30. Just go all the way through. Do it online, too. You watching online, I'm going to read you uh, the, the beginning portion and the end portion. Starting in, starting in Daniel 9, 2. During the first year of the reign, of the reign of that king, remember, Darius, I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the Lord as revealed through Jeremiah the prophet. Okay, what? pause. What? Daniel's? How did you learn, Daniel? Reading the word of God. How do you know the will of God, Daniel? By reading the word of God. So he's reading, he's talking about the book of Jeremiah in the word of God. So Daniel, I mean this, the, the word of God, it worked a, a couple thousand years ago and it works pretty well today. It's if you read the word of God, it will change you. He knows, he, he knew already that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. I know that's kind of our punishment for us being so jacked up. Verse 3. So I turned to the Lord God and I pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? He says, I also wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself in ashes. Now, we didn't do that for our 21 days, but maybe next year, right? I mean, there's always something to look forward to. I, verse 4. I prayed to the Lord my God and I confessed. Now, listen to what he says. God, oh Lord, you're great. You're awesome, God. You always fulfill your covenant and keep your promises of unfailing love. That, I love that, right? Oh, we want the promises. We want the unfailing love. But keep reading. To those who love you and obey your commands. But we, listen to him own this, but we have sinned. We've done wrong. We've rebelled against you. And you've scorned, or we have scorned your commands and regulations. It's interesting that Daniel owns it like he did. If there's anybody who's righteous in the Israelite community, it's Daniel, right? But, but yet, I love how he just says we. He just owns it. He just says we, me included, God. That, to me, that's leadership. That's not just leadership, that's just Christian living, that we take ownership, that as a leader or even a follower of Jesus, that we don't point fingers, we don't blame people, we take ownership. God, it's all of us, it's me. I'm to blame, I'm to blame. Say, I'm to blame. Own it, I'm to blame. I'm to blame. He's, he just takes ownership. Verse 18. Now, now I skip towards the end. Oh my God, lean down. Listen. Open your eyes. See our despair. See how your city, the city that bears your name, it lies in ruins, God. We make this plea not because we deserve help, but because of your mercy. That also hit me. So Daniel begs for mercy. He, he's not even asking for help because he knows what they deserve. He knows how messed up they are. He knows they deserve punishment. So he begs for mercy. I mean, are, are you grateful that we serve a God who doesn't give us what we deserve, but instead he shows us mercy through his son Jesus? This is amazing. So, so Daniel pleads with God, show us that mercy that you're known for. Verse 19, Lord, hear. Lord, forgive. Listen and act, God, for your own sake. Don't delay, oh my God, for your people in your city that bear your name. So what you maybe didn't catch, and again, I want you to read this in its full context this week, but what's crazy about Daniel's prayer there, he literally follow, follows the formula of the Lord's Prayer. Like, the Lord hasn't even taught the Lord's Prayer yet, and here's Daniel praying, praying an outline of it. 
Did, did you catch it? I'll, I'll, I'll give you a little bit to show you. So he, I, I put right away, Daniel acknowledges God, the, God's glory and God's power. Remember how he started? Here's how he started. Oh Lord, you are great and awesome. Oh, God, oh our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. You are great, you are awesome, you are king. He just starts out that way. He asked God to reveal his will. God, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Remember, he begs for mercy, for forgiveness. God, forgive us of our trespasses. He prays such a bold and courageous, but yet vulnerable and compelling prayer. I put he prayed with complete surrender and complete openness. That's exactly how God wants to, you to pray to him. You don't have to pray some certain way. I mean, the formula for the Lord's Prayer is huge. Give God glory, ask for his will, ask for forgiveness. I mean, it's just such a beautiful template. So Daniel prays it. And this is really where it comes full circle. Listen to these next few verses. Daniel 9.20. Oh, this is so good. I went on praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, Daniel writes, pleading with the Lord my God for Jerusalem, his holy mountain. As I was praying... You ready for this? As I was praying, Gabriel, Gabriel's an archangel, one of, one, of the, one of the leaders of the angel's army. Gabriel, an angel, whom I had seen in an earlier vision, came swiftly to me at the time of the evening sacrifice. Yeah, at the evening sacrifice. Again, there's, there's a pattern, there's a habit. They would pray and sacrifice in the morning. They would pray and sacrifice in the afternoon. They would pray and sacrifice in the evening. And Gabriel meets them where he knew they would be at the sacrifice in the evening. And, so, and listen to what he says. He explained to me, Daniel, I have come here to give you insight and understanding. See, God wants to speak to you. God wants to show you something today. God doesn't want to hide your purpose for your life. You might be thinking, I don't know my will. I don't know my purpose. I don't know what God wants me to do in my next job or in my next adventure or with my kids or with this big decision that I have. I'm telling you, God doesn't want to hide it. He wants to show you. And if you seek him through his word and through prayer, he, you will find it. It's so key. So, so he, he wants to give insight and understanding. Verse 23, say 23. This is it. This is what God brought me to today. And I hope God let it hit them like it hit me. The moment, Daniel, you began praying, a command was given. The moment you began praying, a command was given. And now I'm here to tell you what it was for your very precious, Daniel. For your very precious to God. The moment the command, the moment the prayer was said, the command was given. And you know what I immediately thought of? I immediately thought of Daniel in the lion's den. It took me back there in a second. And I thought to myself, if you read Daniel 6 about him in that pit with a lion, you know what you would read? You know what shut the mouth of the lion? An angel. So an angel was commanded to shut the mouth of the lion that saved Daniel. And you know what I thought to myself? I wonder... What prayer prompted that command from God? Because, but, because here's what's interesting about Daniel in, in the lion's den. Here's, what here's what's weird. There's no record of him praying. Like, I, you would think the first thing that Daniel would do when they seal him in the den is like hit his knees and like, oh my gosh, you know, God, I got, I got Mufasa circling me like I'm a chicken wing at a Super Bowl party. I mean, I need your help. But we don't, he doesn't, 
He don't pray one prayer that we know of. Okay, maybe he did, but you would think Daniel's writing the book. You'd think he'd be, he would document, oh my gosh, I hit my knees and I prayed through the night and God sent an angel and he shut the mouth of He didn't pray anything. Nothing. No record. And I thought to myself, he, he didn't have to worry about the result. You know why? Because he had a relationship with a living God whom he already trusted. That's why. So, so now, now let's fast forward to where we're at. And I thought, when did that angel come? When was the angel prompted? Was it when Daniel was maybe a teenager? Maybe Daniel was 16 years old, praying morning, noon, and night. He don't even want to do it. He's got to like set his iPhone to do it because otherwise he'd forget. So he sets it, and all of a sudden the afternoon it goes off, and he's right in the middle of, you know, playing Call of Duty. He's like, oh my gosh, I got to go pray again upstairs and, you know, kneel by the bed, blah, blah, blah. But he does it because that's what he does. Because he's got a habit. Because persistent prayers equal persistent power, right? That it's, it's so key. So Daniel, and, and I'm just speculating here, maybe it's 16. He goes up and he's like, all right, God, I'm praying to you, praying to you, praying this, praying that. Doing what he's always done. Not maybe even understanding the power of what he's saying. And all of a sudden God's like, that's there. there he did it. He did it. Hey, Gabriel. Gabriel, I want you, I want you to go. You don't need to do it now because Daniel's just a teenager right now. But when he's like 80... Gabriel, I need you to go, and you're going to shut the mouth of the lion, because Daniel, he's going to be in a pit with a lion, and you're going to shut the mouth. Is that cool, Gabriel? And Gabriel's like, I got you. I, at least I think that's what Gabriel would say. I don't know. I've never heard an angel speak, but I think if they did, that would be it. So Gabriel's like, I'll do it. And, and Daniel has no idea that, that, that his prayer, uh, see, your prayers, I want to say it like I wrote it, your prayer in the present impacts your purpose in the future. Okay, your prayers today, you may, you may be like, I prayed, and then later on, the Chiefs got beat, and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. what happened. Okay, probably, probably a little bigger than the Chiefs game. But anyway, so um, your prayers today are going to impact your purpose tomorrow. It's a fact. It is a fact. Daniel, praying this prayer as a teenager, and I think about him in the den. Not, not, doesn't say he's worried. Doesn't say he's on his knees praying, Right? You'd think it'd say, Daniel prayed like he never prayed before. Oh, but here's the thing. Daniel had prayed before. Remember? Morning, noon, and night. Every day. He consistently met with God. So Daniel, Daniel didn't have to panic in the pit with the lion. I'm telling you why. Because he was all prayed up. Breakthrough doesn't begin when your prayer gets answered. It begins when your prayer gets prayed. Same time, same place, same time, same place. Oh my gosh, I'm like, you're kidding me, God. 9.23, the moment you began praying, a command was given. Oh, if you knew how powerful your prayers were, You'd be on your knees a lot throughout the day, I promise you. If you knew how the God was ready to, he had the angels at his beck and call ready to fight for you. Just, he, he, the armies of angels he has at his disposal. So this is what I want to do. I, I rarely would ever prompt you to take your phone out, unless, of course, you're, you know, you got the YouVersion Bible app during the service, but I want you to take your phone out if you got a phone. And, and this is what I want you to do. Online, you watch and get your phone out, Okay. And, and this is what I want you to do. I want to help, I want to help create a habit for you. I, I want you to set a reminder in your phone. Daily reminder. Now, some of you, you're already paralyzed, okay? If you don't know how to set a daily reminder, look for a 13-year-old around you, and they will help you in a matter of seconds. So, a daily reminder. I want to do this as a church. 
I really hope this never goes away. Say 9, 23. Would you set a, a daily reminder at 9.23 a.m. every day to go off and prompt you to pray to God? And as that, as that buzzer goes off, as that vibration happens, when that happens, I want you to think to yourself, the moment I begin praying, a command from God goes out. The, because my prayers may not impact me in the present, but I guarantee you they will impact you in the future. So what if we together as a family prayed together, and as you pray at 923, oh, I'm in my car, Pastor. I don't care. You can pray in your car. Oh, I'm in my shower. I pray in my shower all the time. I know it's weird, but get used to it. So uh, I'm at work. Well, whatever. Pray in your head, you know? But what if you knew that at 923 every day, everybody in your family at Meadows Church is praying together collectively, releasing the heaven's armies to do things that only he can do? I believe in the power of prayer. I believe in it collectively as an, organi as an organism of the church. Set a daily reminder for 923 from this day going forward that you'll pray. But, but pastor, it's, it's like in nine something right now, I'll be in church. Well, that's a good time to pray. If your buzzer goes off in church, that is one we'll, we'll forgive, okay? So I'm just telling you, set it and forget it. Because know this, when you plan your prayer and pray your plan, it will lead you to purpose, okay? Plan your prayer and then pray your plan. Plan your prayer, pray your plan. Jesus, you know what he said one time when he's talking about prayer? He said, ask and you'll receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. And I think we can look at that prayer and think, I love that so much. As we read the Gospel of Luke, I'm like, oh gosh, ask, seek, knock, it seems so simple. And it can be, but Jesus just is begging us to pray. I'm begging to answer your prayers. It might not look, my answer might not look like your answer was looking like. I promise it'll be better. You know how that, you know how that command ends when Jesus talks about asking, seeking, and knocking? Here's how it ends. I'll read it to you. It's one verse, Luke 11:13, 13. And he, and he basically says, so, so if we as sinful people... That's right, sinful people. If you as a sinful person know how to give good gifts to your children, you know how we like to give good gifts to children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I love that, but let's get real. We can get real in church, right? I, I don't want to be a church where we have to be all fake and act like we got everything together. I can't stand that. I want to be a church where we're desperate and we want to change. I want to be a church where we show up and I want to leave. I, I, God, I want to leave different than when I came. I want that. I wore a mask so many times in my life. I, in some days I still do. God, forgive me. I want to get real. But as I read that, you know what I think sometimes? It says, Father, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. You know what, God? Here's the deal. I'm not really asking for the Holy Spirit at this moment. I'm asking you to help me in my situation. Fix the problem that I've been facing. I'm asking you to save my marriage. Help my kids. God, I'm asking you to, to turn a situation around. God, that you would move. Would you, would you heal the sickness? Break the addiction. Fix this jacked up world. That's what I'm asking. That's where we started the series. If you, if you don't remember, or maybe you're new and weren't there for week one. We started by getting real. There's prayers we pray, and it's like, God, are you even listening? And it makes you think, why is it even like this? 
I could get specific and detailed with you. God, why, why would my father die when I was so young? God, why do you allow parents to die young? God, I walk with people that I've seen pass away that I know didn't know you. I know they didn't have a relationship with you. That means that they're in hell. Why did you create this place called hell? God, I know people who are crippled in addiction and depression. Why, does, why do those things even exist? Some of you today, you know what you're asking yourself? You're asking yourself this question, and I am too. Father, why is Tom Brady in another Super Bowl? I mean, we've had enough. We don't want that anymore in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I don't know. Back to a serious note. God, why do children have to suffer? I mean, can't we get real before God and ask questions that are on our heart? Or do we have to play a game, some religious game? I don't want to play no game. I want God. But I got questions sometimes, and you do too. Ask, seek, and knock. Man, two weeks ago, talking about children, I'm sitting with, with Sarah. I don't know where he's at, sitting down somewhere. But I'm sitting with Sarah. We're, going through, we're talking, going through some stuff, and... Actually, you know what? Let me, let me back it up a little bit more because you, don't, you won't get the context. There's a couple in our church. Benji and Bethany are their names. Some of you know them. Um, <laughs> about a year and a half ago, they uh, went to an organization to learn about fostering. They have a huge heart for mission work. They have a huge heart for fostering children. So they go and they go through the process to become foster parents. And, and I love, they're, they're real too. And they said, Here's, we have just one request. We really, we want to we foster, we want to help place children, but we prefer no babies. Like, we, we, actually, we prefer no kids, like, under four. Now, if you've ever been around a two- or three-year-old having a tantrum, I kind of get their request, don't you, Carissa? It, it makes sense. But, they, but the agency's like, ah, uh, you don't need to worry about that. Most people actually want the babies. Like, 70% of people that are going to foster want babies. So they're like, okay, you're good because you'll be covered. Four hours after they're done with, with, that, with that meeting, they get a call. We have a baby we'd like to place with you. They're like, what? Didn't you just, we just, like, four hours ago, we just said, and they're like, no, 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 I know, I know. We talked to other families, and for whatever reason, they can't do it, but this baby does need a home. She's only two days old, and she has some issues. I mean, the baby, uh, the baby's mother, heavily in addiction, and the addiction didn't stop during the pregnancy. Okay, the, the addiction continued all the way up until the baby was born. So after spending two days in the NICU, the baby needs a place to go. So Benji and Bethany, being the followers of Jesus that they are, they say, okay, we'll, we'll place the baby and do what we can for you know, the short term. Well, the short term turned into uh, three months, going on four, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the baby starts vomiting. And not just little vomiting, excessive vomiting. So they're like, okay, this, there's a problem. So they take her in, of course, to the doctor, and they run tests on the little girl, and uh, it turns out she has a brain tumor. This is where I got involved. This is when I found out about the whole story, probably a year ago now. So me and their life group, their small group that they're a part of, uh, we go up to the hospital where the little girl is, and... We learned about the tumor, and we're praying bold prayers, breakthrough prayers. And I remember going in there and laying a hand on that little baby, and I'm praying, God, you got this. You got it. I mean, you're God. 
take, I, I, in fact, I'm believing God as I pray that the tumor is being erased. Because you can do that. I know you can. You've done it before. And God, maybe that's not the route, but if you want to use doctors to, to remove it, whatever. Not going to get picky. But do your thing. Not only did I pray, but the entire life group is up there. I remember circling up, praying together, praying, praying, praying. So we get done praying these breakthrough, bold, big prayers for this little baby. And, and the end result is, is the doctors come out and say, uh, the, the tumor is inoperable. And I'm like, what? Inoperable? We just... But we... But that's got to be your... Okay, okay, inoperable. So, so they, they, they put a little baby on chemo to shrink the tumor. Three months after that, Bethany is holding the little baby. And as she holds the little baby, she, the, the baby always is looking at the ceiling fan, you know, watching the ceiling fan as she's getting held or fed. And this day's different. This day she notices that the little baby isn't really watching the ceiling fan like she always does. In fact, she, she seems just adrift in how she's looking all together, even with eye contact. So they bring her back into the hospital. They do more testing on the little baby. And now she's blind. Completely blind. I'm thinking to myself, maybe we should stop praying. It seems like it's doing, having an adverse effect. Fast forward to two weeks ago. She reaches out to the prayer team reaches out to, to me, to her life group, her lifeline, you could say, because you'll find out they have been. And she says, we need prayer. We're going in for our, for, our, for our big checkup. This is big because we're finding out, is the chemo doing it? Is it shrinking the tumor? That's the whole goal here. Have to shrink it. And so, oh my gosh. And we're in the series called Breakthrough Prayer. I'm like, this is perfect timing. So we call out the, the angel's army and we're like, prayer team, you're praying for that little baby. You know, pastors, you're praying for the little baby. Life group, you're praying for the little baby. And I'm sitting there two weeks ago and Sarah and I are talking and he's the leader of their life group that meets on Wednesdays. And, 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 and I asked him, I said, well, I mean, because it was just, they were just getting done, would have just gotten done with that, that uh, appointment. And guess what? You know what happened with the tumor? No. No, it got bigger. So the chemo was effective, it seems like, right away, but was not anymore. And I'm like... So, so now what they get to do is in two weeks they have surgery. You can be praying for this. In two weeks, the little girl gets to have surgery and they'll remove part of her scalp, take out part of the tumor that they have access to, and do testing on that part of the tumor with different chemo drugs to determine what might work. Had a conversation with the couple this week. Benji says, he, he says, I can't, I, I have to tell you something. He says, our life group, our, our, our small group, we wouldn't have made it without them. And they're not even going physically because they got to be very careful with illnesses and the, the baby's susceptible to illness. So they zoom in. All right, we're all familiar with that term. They, they zoom in. And he says, it's, it's meant the world to us. It's connected us to our church. 
because they are the church. It's connected us to God's word and to prayer. And I'm like, I'm like, I, it, it, of course it thrills my heart to hear that. I mean, there's nothing more powerful than a, a personal testimony. And he's like, we don't know where we'd be without our life group. And then you, know what he, then you know what they tell me? They said, check this out. The little baby girl, she's 16 months old now. And Bethany says, she's starting to walk. And I just picture this little blind girl walking, being guided by their voices. And the, the crazy thing is, they didn't really have any despair in their voice. Maybe they'd already gone through that stage. I was frustrated. But there, there's this joy they had about talking about this little girl being able to walk. And here's, think about it, here's this couple who didn't even want to take in a baby. And they took in that little baby girl. And they're nurturing that little baby girl. They're caring for that little baby girl. They are loving that little baby girl. And guess what? Two weeks ago, they just signed papers to adopt that little baby girl. I'm telling you, it might not make sense to us, but I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep believing because God is not done. Same time, same place. We'll be there. Same time, same. I'll be there. Same time. Somebody shout, same time, same place. God, I don't understand you. And I don't know that I ever will. But I know you love us. And I know you love that little baby girl. And, and if we're honest, when we're, when we're ticked at God about God not answering our prayers, you know, what the, you know what we're really saying? God, I'm really ticked that you're not answering my prayers my way. Isn't that what we're saying? That's what I, that's, I know that's what I'm saying. See, we want a solution. Do you know what we need? A savior. That's what we need. Do you know what that little girl has? I don't know about solutions, what's going on, or what's going to happen in two weeks. Here's what I know she has, a savior. And I'm going to pray boldly for healing this side of heaven, but I know something, and, and, and as I shared this with Sarah, I said, listen, and I don't want this to happen, but if God calls that little girl home sooner than later, children being covered by the grace of God, she will end up in a place you and I can't fathom. Cannot fathom. I'll guarantee you there won't be a tumor in her head. I'll guarantee you she'll be seeing, she'll be seeing colors that you can't even dream of. If that's what happens. I hope it doesn't, I'm just being honest. But I'm just telling you, we're way too temporal. We don't need solutions all the time, but I do need you, God. I do need a Savior. And that's why Jesus came. It's not about a result, it's about a relationship. Do good people go to heaven? Nope. What do you mean? I'll, I'll, I, will, I will preach this every week until God kills me. Good people and bad people, that's not heaven or hell. Saved people go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. People who have called on the name of Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life, they go to heaven. That can be you. It can be you. It can be you. But I'm a sinner. I know it can be you. But last night I was doing crazy stuff that I shouldn't be doing. I know, it can be you. But I just got in a huge fight and I just said all these words and I just, I know, and it can be you. That's why God brought you here today. That's why you're watching online. So Jesus Christ comes perfect as a man, lives a perfect life, teaches perfect prayer, loves perfectly to everybody, and they, and they kill him. But, but that was God's plan. I know it seems harsh, and it is. But it had to happen. 
there had to be a sacrifice for our sin. It's not about being good or bad. That's not heaven and hell. If you were taught that, you were taught a lie. It's not about good or bad. At the end of the day, none of us are good. I don't want to burst your bubble, but we aren't. But that's why Jesus came, so that we would have a segue to God, to heaven. This is the greatest news in the world, by the way. So Jesus is dead on a cross, and it seemed like all hope was lost, but it wasn't. See, there, there was, we don't need a solution, we need a savior. What are you gonna do, Jesus? Well, they put him in a tomb, but he didn't stay there. And this separates Christianity from everything else, every other religion, all thousand of them. This is the key. Three days later, the, the, this, this Savior, who is your solution, by the way, this Savior was no longer dead, but he was alive. Jesus Christ broke forth from the tomb. And the Bible says because that happened, you can call on his name because death has already been defeated. Sin has already been defeated. So you can call on the name of Jesus and you can be saved. How does the prayer end? The Lord's Prayer that we've been learning. For yours is the kingdom. This isn't your home. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory forever and ever. Somebody give God some praise up in the... Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Father, will you move like only you can move? Oh my God. So this is it. Will you call on the name of the Lord and be saved? There's a lot of people who have made declarations, but it's so interesting in the Word of God, in a group I'm in, John the Baptist, you know what he starts by teaching? Turn from your sin and turn to God. That was the message he started preaching. You can read it. You can read it in Matthew. I think it's Matthew chapter 2. Chapter 4, whatever it is, when Jesus comes on the scene, you know the very first thing Jesus preaches? Turn from your sin and turn to God. The message has not changed. Today, God is calling you and I to turn from our sin. Don't go there anymore. You don't have to. Jesus came for you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Turn to him. Sell out to him. Surrender your life to him online. Type, I choose Jesus in the comments. We'll celebrate with you. Typing words doesn't save you. Checking a box doesn't save you. It's, it's the surrender. It's the relationship. Say, say relationship. relationship. It's not about a result. It's about a relationship. I always thought good people go to heaven, bad people go to hell. No. People covered by the grace of God go to heaven. It's a free gift, but you've got to receive it. And the more messed up, the more messed up you are, the more you'll appreciate that gift. I could never earn it. I tried. It was miserable. It was miserable. God, I, I, I'm so grateful for God and what he's doing in you. He wants to change you. He loves you so much. I'll invite the rest of the team up. I want to pray for you. <laughs> I wrote this down. I said, if we want God to do, the super, to do the super, we need to do the natural. So in our natural state, we can pray and unlock the powers of heaven. The kingdom, of, the kingdom of God. Jesus always talked about the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because Jesus knew this world's not your home. He kept referring. What he said, you know what, let me finish how he started. He said, turn from your sin and turn to God. You can read it. John the Baptist said the exact same thing. For the kingdom of heaven is near. Well, it's nearer than it's ever been.
if there's ever a time for you to turn, it's not about good or bad. It's about selling out to the king who is so good. Let his Holy Spirit enter you and make you new. He will, he will sanctify you. He will start to cleanse you. It'll take time, but he'll do it. Allow him to do it. Allow him to do it. If you have questions about salvation, come see me. Find a, find a leader. If anybody, I'll walk with you. We'll love you. Father, I thank you so much. Oh, Daniel, wow, did you give us a model. Relentless prayer. Whether you felt like it or not, you just did it because that's what you were taught from your parents. And they were taught from their parents. And I bet in your teenage years, I'm just going to say it, I bet, Daniel, I bet you didn't feel like praying all those times. I bet sometimes you just threw up a quick one and just said, I'm done. But what one released that angel into the lion's den decades later? Oh, man. Our prayers in the present, man, they impact our future. Persistent prayer is powerful prayer. God, I want to help us make it habitual. We can get excited in a moment. We can yell in a moment. We can, we can motivate in a moment. But motivation is only noise unless we act on it. I'm so proud of our church, God. There at 9.23 a.m. every day, we promise, God, we, we won't be perfect with this. You know that, but we're going to try. That together, wherever we're at, at work, at home, in the kitchen, in the car, in the shower, wherever we're at, God, outside walking the dog, we, are, we will stop and pause for at least a minute and lift you up in prayer. And we will give you glory. And we will ask for your will be done. And we will ask for mercy and forgiveness because we need it. And we'll close by giving you more glory because you deserve it. Because that's what your king, your son, Jesus, taught us to do. Father, I pray that everybody listening online, everybody listening in the room will do whatever the Holy Spirit is telling them to do. After we sing, some are going to come up and pray with the prayer team. Some will go in the prayer room and pray in a more solitude place. I love it. A certain time, a certain place. Same time, same place. God, what if we made a commitment to just be in the house of the Lord, same time, same place, week in and week out. It is our top priority, not because, uh, not because it's a ritual, but because we have a relationship. And we want, to, we want to meet you. We want to glorify you. We want to huddle up. We want to be the church. God, Father, you're overwhelming. Your word is so, it's so challenging, but it's so beautiful. Like you said, it cuts sharper than any two-edged sword. Mm. Thank you for Jesus Christ. He is our only hope. He is the only way that we'll ever spend forever with you. Heck, he's the only way, God, that we'll ever have hope this side of heaven. May we sell out to him with everything we've got. If we do... Not only will we declare the best is yet to come, <laughs> we will know the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray and we all say, amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. But don't stop there. I invite you to like or subscribe to our social channels. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, would you consider sharing this message with a friend, coworker, family member? I mean, so many people need hope and encouragement and you have the ability to bring it directly to them. Finally, one more thing. I wanna ask that you would consider giving financially to this ministry. I mean, God has done so much, but yet we believe he wants to do so much more, like so many more people he wants to reach, so much more hope he wants to give, so many more lives that he wants to save, and your investment can help make that happen. So again, thank you so much. I love you, and God loves you more.
God bless you.